deren Sinne ist, misskommen in. Like something is brewing, about to begin. Can't put me finger on what lies in store. I feel what's to happen. All happened before. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Magical Kingdom of Wall. I'm your host Paul and thankfully I'm joined by my wonderful wife after uh, the solo episode last time. Hello. Um, so we're back for another episode. Um, we're we're going to follow the same format I think as we have done previously. Why not? Um, so we'll look at some merchandise, look at something family related, have a main topic and then talk a little bit of Disney history at the end. Sounds good to me. So let's start off with uh, the merchandise this time. Merchandise. It's no uh, surprise I get this section because merchandise basically is just another way of saying shopping for Disney things. So this week, or this episode should I say, the theme that I've gone with is um, Alice in Wonderland. Now it's one of my favourite books of all time but not only that, I love all of the films, the animated, the live action, I love everything in the parks and so, not surprisingly, I love all of the merchandise. So I've picked my top five Alice in Wonderland merchandise for you and the first thing is something that I actually did buy the last time we were at Disney World and I bought it for my dad because I just thought, well what do I take back as a gift from Florida? He doesn't want anything with Mickey Mouse on. He didn't want chocolates at the time and he's a big tea drinker. So I found this absolutely fantastic Wonderland tea set. And when I say tea set, I don't mean cups and saucers. It's a set of all different teas. And in this set, you'll find um, blueberry tea bags. There's mango, lemon, honey, chamomile, pomegranate. But then you've got your Earl Grey and my favourite, the Mad Tea Party Blend. Um, and he really enjoyed them. They were awesome. And I also bought the same set to take back for work, but I also bought honey spoons to go with theirs. And when I got back from um, the holiday in November, of course, we came back here, it was freezing cold. And everybody in the office was getting the lemon and honey tea and making it up and stirring in the honey spoons. And everyone I had cold just in, it made them feel so much better. So it, it's all beautifully presented. I absolutely love it. The only thing that I didn't like about it is that I forgot to buy one for myself so when I go back I definitely will be doing um, and that leads me on to the second piece of merchandise I found a website recently um, and it's absolutely full of uh, Tea Party China so it's called uh, The Alice Boutique and the website is www.thealiceboutique.com and you've got everything on there, cups, saucers, sugar bowls, uh, milk jugs, teapots, everything. It's absolutely gorgeous stuff. But the thing that's catching my eye um, is a cup and saucer with the Mad Hatter on. 19.95 might seem a bit steep, but I think it's China and it's absolutely gorgeous. Fantastic addition to your Alice collection if you're looking um, to get some more merchandise. Um, so moving swiftly on to the third item... Uh, one of which I'm lucky enough to have is the Pandora Disney Spring 2016 Charm Collection. Um, I think they're still available. At least I hope they are because I've only got one of the three charms. The one that I've got is the Alice in Wonderland Open Work Bead that's absolutely beautiful. My friend got another friend to pick it up for me when she was in Florida 
it was a real surprise Christmas present, I can tell you. Um, but the other two pieces are fantastic. One is the white rabbit wearing his little waistcoat and holding a clock. And then the other piece is a dangle charm. Now, normally I don't like dangle charms for Pandora bracelets. Um, just not a fan, but this one is Alice in a Bottle with a little label on saying drink me. It's absolutely gorgeous. I'd love to have it. So husband's at the side of me. Not sure he's listening, but <clears throat> hint, hint. There we go. And then and moving on to the next item is something I actually just found today and I'm in love with them and I need to get I need to get these. Um, it's an Alice in Wonderland playing card deck um, called a Curious. Um, I can't really read that, but it's the Curious playing card deck and they're all vintage uh absolutely fantastic gorgeous playing card deck um i found it on ebay for about 15 quid 15 pounds and it's something that i really do want to get a hold of i think you've got to do it really when you think about the original book and in the theme attractions and everything you've got all the playing cards that are there especially in the disney parks the, the what are they the the hearts I'm just trying to think when you go to the Alice Maze in Paris. They're all there, aren't they? Oh, there's yeah. some spades as well. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's really a great tie-in to everything. So I love those. I need to get a deck of those. Um, and my final piece of merchandise is a Jim Shaw Disney tradition. Now, I'm just looking at my traditions shelf and I can see my Alice... I've got Alice just sort of kneeling down in her blue dress with a white apron on. I've got the Mad Hatter wearing his uh, ten and six hat, obviously. And I've got the Cheshire Cat. That's all that's in my collection at the moment. I know there are other pieces, but this piece that I've found today that I'm looking at, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's like one of the storybook pieces, but it, it's almost not like a door, is it, really? It's sort of just kind of a plaque where Alice looks like she's standing on the threshold to Wonderland in front of a tree and the Cheshire Cat's up in a tree and she's standing on like a red and white checkerboard flooring and everything which way from here it says on the bottom of it I'm in love with this piece I really I need to get it I think it's gorgeous um we're running out of space for Disney traditions to be honest and at some point soon we will be doing a vlog showing you all the pieces that we've got what do you reckon we've got now 50 probably i think more yeah. or less between 45 and 50 pieces probably i'll have to count that down anyway but i think this needs to be added because it's absolutely fantastic and so that's all of the merchandise i've been looking at lately and the thing that's sort of started my alice addiction again is that it was just mother's day obviously recently here in the uk and my wonderful husband, or should I say my little son, bought me um, two Disney DVDs for Mother's Day. One of them was Zootropolis, which we all sat in the afternoon and enjoyed together. Or Zootopia it for, for our Zoo American listeners. Zootopia, yeah. Um, and then the other one was the second Alice film, which I'd always wanted to see because I loved the first one so much. I'd heard bad things about it. It didn't get great reviews. And I might be one of the few people to say I really enjoyed it. And I actually, in some ways, preferred it to the first one. I really, really did enjoy it a lot. And it sparked my Alice passion again. So I'm finding just lately, I'm looking at everything. And I think some point this weekend, I think we need to watch the, uh, the what do you call it? 
not the live action, the other one. The animated. The animated, that's the word. I'd like to watch that again as well. So I've always loved everything Alice in Wonderland, but even more so after having watched the film. So there you go. That's my recommendations for fantastic Alice things that you can add to any Disney collectible set that you've got. Um, and let's move on to the next topic, which um, we always try and give you guys some advice or tips about um, family orientated things so what we're looking at at the moment is um the check meals that you can get for kids in parks and excuse me while i just get my uh, notes here yeah but we did this a lot with sam when we were out there in november and basically whenever you're going into restaurants or anything like that they do power packs for kids that we really recommend. Um, there's always a really well-balanced selection of food that is in these packs. And every meal contains at least one entree. There'll be a side meal, a dessert, and then you either get low-fat milk or a water in there as well. Um, and we found that they were fantastic. They didn't always like them and they didn't eat them all. Um, but what did you find, honey, with the... The snack credits, we found that that was a good way to feed him. Yeah, certainly the, the snack credits. If he's if he's just looking for something small or or just something like a fairly easy to feed them, yogurts, fruit cups come under snack credits. Um, again, just small cakes and things like that. It's fairly easy to feed your children with the snack credits from the adult dining plan. Yeah. Um, so I, it's changing. This is certainly for for kids that are under under three that don't get a dining plan as part of their packages, because um, we do, obviously. Um, I have a son that's now four, so the next time we go, he'll have his own dining plan. But when you've got like a toddler that's under the the ticket age, um, they definitely you can definitely not feed them completely. Don't get me wrong, but you can certainly get part of their, their meals for the day using your snack credits if you're not going to use them. Um, I know a lot of people that say that the dining plans are too much for them. Um, and you can definitely um, use your snack credits to to feed your, your toddlers, I think. Definitely. We found that with Sam being of a certain age, a fruit cup would quite happily do him for lunchtime or a pastry or something like that. But yeah, definitely, definitely look into that, especially if you have got the the free dining plan. Which I'd just like to point out for for our British listeners, the free dining has become available today, as we're recording this. We've been we've been looking, trying to get prices. We're not going next year, but the following year. So this time next year, we'll be looking to book for ourselves. Um, so the dining plan is definitely definitely available again for free for British listeners. Um, so definitely go and have a look if you're planning on going next year and think that the dining plan could be of use for you. Um, have a look now uh, and see what the prices are. I actually found that the prices have dropped. Interestingly, the the hotel prices are actually cheaper now than they were this time last week without the free dining. So, yeah, that's a, a good tip on the snacks. And going back to those power packs, I think there was something like five ninety nine. 
So if you do have to pay for something outside of the dining plan, it doesn't cost a lot and it's a really well balanced meal. I think when we went to the ABC Commissioner. Yeah, um we got him one and there was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a crust off. Um bag of goldfish. Yes. A yogurt and a cookie. Some grapes and apple, mm. I think. And that those um power packs actually are part of a child's dining plan. Yeah. Um, so if you have got a child's dining plan, so some a child that's over three, like Sam will be, the next time we go, that we can actually get those as part of his his dining plan. And it's saying just for those that are really health conscious that these meals are low in saturated fat, sodium, and sugar. The size of the portions are perfectly controlled, so the kids don't take in too many calories. And it just meets with all of the Disney nutrition guidelines, so it's really healthy. And it's really easy to just grab one. There's plenty in there to keep them entertained. And a lot of these have fresh fruit in. So it's a really cheap way to feed your kids in the park. So look out for them. You can get them most all over the place where, you know, there's a fridge when you go in. Just have a look for the little cardboard box. They'll be themed and inside there'll be enough there to sort your kids out. So... That's that part done with. Yeah. Over to you. Um, so, moving on to the main subject, we, we thought we'd go with something that's, I think, pretty much the norm um, for a lot of these podcasts as they start. I think a lot of people will discuss these things. Um, we're going to look at our top five Disney Studio animated films. Um, and we're not just talking about the real classics. We're talking about the whole span, right from the minute that Walt started making these films from The Seven Dwarfs all the way through to, as we've already mentioned, Zootopia um, and through to anything in between those. So I'm going to hand over to Lisa for her first one. I noticed it's on your list as well. It has to be The Lion King. Yeah. (coughs) Pardon me. Um, I just think it's an absolute classic and it's one of their best we were lucky enough to see it upon its re-release um, when we were out. Was it the second time we went out to? Yes. Second time we went out to LA. We'd gone to Universal Studios and mm. I think we came out, didn't we, and went to the cinema. Yeah. Were we going back for Halloween Horror Nights that night? We were, I believe. Yeah. So we came out of the park and went in to see a 3D version and had the entire cinema to ourselves. It was fantastic. Before that, I'd only normally seen it on my old um, VHS cassette tape. But um, I think we... Do we have the DVD now? We have. It's not in the vault, is it? No, it's right there. I can see it on the shelf. Wonderful. I bought it for you. You did? Not long after we went, actually. (coughs) Pardon me. You did. Oh, yeah, I remember now. (laughs) So I just think that's an absolute classic. Sam enjoys it with us as well. It's one of my all-time favourites. I don't know it's on your list, isn't it? It is on my list. Um, so, it was released in 1994. So, at the time, I was only 10. So, I was kind <laughs> of... It was that kind of period where, quite clearly, cinema was becoming more relevant to me as a as a kid. I think I was I was obviously more aware of it. I wasn't just being stuck in front of a telly like not saying we put Sam in front of the telly and let him no, let him don't. go, but it's kind of when you're a toddler in that 
those early years, they can't. You kind of tend to sit there and watch it, and then they'll wander off and start doing something else. Kind of at that that age, I'm kind of starting to become more aware. Um, and obviously, I've not met, mentioned it, but we're huge science fiction nerds as well. And obviously, James L. Jones is quite a a big name uh, when it comes to science fiction. Obviously, the voice of Darth Vader. Um, and to have that that image of him as Mufasa kind of sticks with you, mm-hmm. I think. You couldn't imagine anyone else playing that role. And saying that, he is actually coming back to play Mufasa in the live-action version. Um because you just cannot imagine anyone else playing him. And it's the same as you can't imagine anyone else doing the voice of Vader. He just has that distinctive voice. And I think it, it just sticks with you. Um, and I think over the years, I wouldn't say it has a great presence in the theme parks. Obviously, Animal Kingdom have got the show. The show's magic, isn't it, though? But there's never been a ride or anything. No. Um, there's a few meet and greets. We've met Rafiki a couple of times. Yep. Um, but other than that, kind of a couple of parade floats, place, but, yeah. but nothing, nothing much. And it kind kind of seems one of their biggest hits has kind of been forgotten. It's one of their best soundtracks, that's yeah. for sure. And again, I've I probably not mentioned this, but I'm a Watford fan, a Watford football club fan. Obviously, great tradition with Elton John. So again, another thing that sticks with me is obviously Elton and. Tim Rice wrote the soundtrack and became a a very popular soundtrack. Uh, not just the the real versions in the film, but the Elton John song versions yeah. were huge hits back in the nineties. I've got to admit, it is something that I'd love to do, and that's go and see the show live at the West End. We haven't done that yet, but it's really expensive. But it is something definitely that I would love to do. But, what about you? Yeah, certainly. I know it's it's not overly cheap. No. Um, but I used to be a. I'm from originally from the, well, North London technically, um, and I used to spend quite a lot of time in the West End going to to shows. And obviously now I live, live in Nottingham. It's not as easy. Um, and with a small child, again, not easy, not cheap. Um, no. We do make an effort sometimes to yeah. go and see see yeah. things. So eventually, I think we will go and see the Lion King. Possibly when Sam's a bit older. Once he, as I said, as we were talking about earlier, he's only four and he's he's not kind of the the type of kid that's going to sit down and watch a whole film at the moment. I don't think unless we take him to the cinema, which he yeah, kind he of does. Then I think he's a bit mesmerised by the the huge huge screens. Yeah. But at home, he'll he'll kind of watch maybe half an hour, yeah, and then he'll start playing and then kind of look up and go, oh, it's that bit, and then carry on playing. Sometimes you can get him to just sit there. It tends to be early in the morning on a Saturday or Sunday. He gets out of bed, we give him his breakfast, and he might sit and watch Frozen or Big Hero 6. They're his top two favourites. <laughs> and he will watch them from start to finish. Yeah, yeah it certainly will. And yeah, a complete classic Lion King. And yeah. as, as Lisa said, it was on my list as well. So so that that's Lisa's first one, and obviously crossing one off on my list as well. Um my first one, I'm going right back, not right to the start, but fairly close to the start. And and I'm going with Fantasia. Um, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, um, but I think it's it's really clever 
in what it does. Um, very similar to obviously Walt Sully symphonies from from the early years. Um, it's kind of it's not the Sully symphonies, but it's kind of in the same same vein that it's separate stories all put into kind of one long version of the Silly Symphonies. Um, obviously, everybody knows it for The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, that image of as, of Mickey has become really quite iconic. iconic yeah. um, with the Sorcerer's Hat, with the stars and moons on it. Lots of merchandise, including that. But Fantasia wasn't a big hit for, for Disney. In fact, it cost them a lot of money and nearly killed the studio completely. Um, it wasn't helped by the fact that the war kicked off as it was due to come out. Um, didn't end up in every cinema. I don't believe it was actually officially released in Europe um, because of the war. Um, but when you watch it, just how clever. and The, the fact that they'd got such a huge score attached to it was something that hadn't been seen before. Obviously, Mickey was this rising star of animation at that point. Um, and Walt felt that doing a film based around Mickey would would save the studio. But in fact, it had the opposite effect. Um, but we've seen it re-released over the years. Um, we've even seen a quasi-sequel come out in Fantasia 2000 um, with added scenes and, and things like that. And I just think it's... It's Disney in a nutshell for me. It's like Walt's signature piece. And yeah, it is. Probably like a vanity indulgence project, but it's become kind of a, a cult thing, hasn't it? Yeah, and as we've mentioned before, kind of the first Disney park I ever went to was Hollywood Studios. And obviously at, at that time, what, 10 years ago now? Yeah. Coming up. Um, the icon of that park was the Sorcerer's Hat. It used to sit in front of the Chinese theatre. Yeah, I love that hat. Um, what anybody says. Yep, and obviously now it's gone. Um, but it's still an icon of other places. It's the icon of the, the Disneyland Hotel. It's still visible at the Walt Disney Studios in Paris. Yeah. Sitting on top of the animation building. Just that, that iconic sorcerer's hat. You just cannot get away from it. It has become an icon of Disney history. I'm not sure really why it was seen as an eyesore in the park. I know it blocked the theatre, but they've taken it down to just block the theatre again by sticking all kinds of stuff in front of it. And they've stuck it. a Star Wars stage in front of it now. Yeah. Um, so I still can't quite understand. And, and there's not a complaint about this Star Wars stage, and I just I don't understand why there was such a furore about that hat. At least it was it was iconic. There was there was a reason for it. The Star Wars stage is just a plain black stage with a screen on the back like of it. Like an afterthought or something. Yeah. and it's Two horn a bit of Star yeah, Wars. And in. it's the same thing. It's happened in, in Paris. Yeah. Now they're doing the, the Star Wars evenings. Um, though that's, I think, has finished now because the 25th anniversary started. They put a stage in front of the Tower of Terror. At Paris, exactly the same. So, so yeah, my first one, I'm I'm going with Fantasia. Okay, so we've got Lion King as my top choice, and Fantasia as yours. I wouldn't say it was my. 
It's just in your five. Yeah, not I've, in any particular no, order. No, I've I've done it kind of in date order okay. on my list. All oh, right, mine's just haphazard. Um, my second one's really easy because I was just talking about it. it. Has to be Alice in Wonderland. I don't know what else more I can say about that, really, except to say I just love the madness of it all. I love the idea of one day just having a tea party in the back garden. I could just picture that doing all of the tables with the tablecloths and the haphazard china and things hanging in the trees and just sitting around drinking tea and having cake. I think it'd be brilliant. <laughs> that was one of my favourite scenes in the live-action film as well, apart from the part where um, time locked them into the same tea party for God knows how long. But no, I just... I love that film. I really do. I, I loved the books and Lewis Carroll's imagination and I think that... That film captures it really, really well. So definitely, yeah. Alice is in there for me. Yeah, I'll I'll add to that, that, that a couple of just a couple of nice facts. Um, Walt's Hollywood career really kicked off with not animation, bizarrely, but it was kind of stop motion with live actors. Was the Alice comedies? Yeah. So he'd always had in his head that Alice was a was a great story to tell. He knew. Um, and I think going back, way back, he started those Alice comedy shorts in, in Chicago, but it was those that got picked up and he ended up having to move to Hollywood. Well, not having to move to Hollywood, wanting to move to Hollywood because he was offered to do those in Hollywood. He actually changed the actress because he'd had to change coasts. Um, the other nice little thing I'll add about, about Alice is, um, obviously, um, Edwin played the Mad Hatter. Who who um went on to play Uncle in yes, Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins. Um, and obviously that's an iconic scene for everybody. I think I think Mary Poppins would top a lot of people's Disney films as a whole. Obviously, we're yeah. only talking about animation today, but it's on top of my list, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, it's nice to see Edwin. He's played a, played a few different characters for Disney over the years. I just thought, Paul. Very merry on birthday to you. Very merry on birthday Thank to you, you too. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, only for a couple of days, and then it is your birthday. Yeah, we won't talk about that. But um, so yeah, that's that's your next one. Uh, moving on, as I said, I'm going to go in date order with mine. Obviously, we've already talked about Lion King, so that's a bit further down my list. Um, but one that's very appropriate for us, I think, and I would probably say this is my favourite animated film by Disney is uh, Disney's version of Robin Hood. <laughs> um, just, it was just so clever to to change those characters into to animals, <laughs> but the animals that they picked, their personalities in in real life seem to really fit the characters that they were playing yeah, they do. in Robin Hood, like the fox being a wily, cunning, cheeky, cunning, clever chap. Yeah, like Robin is, like the stories. We live, as I've said, we live in Nottingham, so it's very appropriate for us. Um, but. It was one of my favourites before I'd even moved to Nottingham. Um, it always been... That opening song, Udalale, yeah. <laughs> has always been stuck in my head. Um, and just just iconic, I think, imagery. Like Maid Marian in the big pink headdress. Yes. Uh, and things like that. And Friar Tuck being a badger. And things like that. It's yeah. just kind of... And I know a lot of people... It's very similar in vain, I think, to... Mr. Toad. Yes. Um, in style, but I, I just, uh, Robin Hood just edges it out for me. Um, just 
brilliant, brilliant voice work. Uh, the the animation is just so bright and vivid, and I just love it. It's a while since we've watched that one. That's another. Yeah, one I'm but it's, a, it's one sitting up there. I can see it. Shelf. Yeah. Yeah. But and I, I know some of the animation was reused. Um, the king was obviously reused in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Um, to play Prince, the Prince in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it's the same character basically. Um, but that I think that gives you a, an idea of just how good the imagery was yeah. in Robin Hood. So, well, one of mine um, on my list, I've got Beauty and the Beast. Um, I do really love this film. I like it because it goes against some of the other Disney films. I like The Little Mermaid, but I hate that bit where it's sort of like, here you go, change everything you are and everything you know, and then you can get married and off you go. You know, change yourself for a man, then you can get married and everything will be peachy keen. I like this because it's not like that. Belle doesn't have to change. It's the beast that does that, you know, this guy was a bit of an idiot. So he got cursed and he's waiting for somebody to come along and see past the horrible beast that he he is to break the curse. Um, But he's the one that has to do all the changing and become worthy instead of it being the female that has to do it. It's the same way that I like Frozen turns the traditional love story on its head. It is a love story, but not about a man and a woman. It's a sister's love. Um, And that's what I really like about this film. But I remember... One of the first times I ever watched it, it's actually pretty scary when you see the beast for the first time. And I know that we let Sam watch it and he was a sort of a bit upset by some of the scenes when beast first comes, you know, snarling onto the screen and everything. So I like it because it's that bit different um, because it is a little bit scary. And I just think it's pure magic. When you start with the furniture, you've got Lumiere, Cogsworth, Chip, Mrs. Potts. And all of that. And it, it just really is magic. I love the music. I love... Everybody loves that scene in the ballroom with the yellow dress and everything. I just think it's fantastic. In fact, it's almost a disappointment at the end when the real prince comes back. Because I just love Beast so much. Um, but I would really like to see the live action movie. We haven't got around to it just yet. I've heard amazing things about it. So I'm really excited to see what they've done there. But it, even if it's not very good doesn't matter because this film is it's brilliant and as i say i like it because it turns the usual disney princess story on its head why should you have to change you know like ariel does like all the others do i don't see the point i I don't kind of like those stories because they're just a bit too neat and you know what i mean you know when we first watched little mermaid i loved it all but why should she have to, have to leave her home? And why should she have to change who she is just for some random bloke? <laughs> yeah, Little Mermaid isn't one that I I can watch on a regular no, basis for me. me either. And I know she is iconic and she's a really popular character and everything. But it's something that is that naff that I find myself rooting for Ursula half the time. Um, but yeah, I love Beauty and the Beast because it turns the tail on its head. It's a little bit different, a little bit scary, a little bit magic. Um, I love it. I could watch it again and again, and I have. So, looking forward to the live action. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll add to Beauty and the Beast that um, it is, for me, of that generation of films, it's 
it's definitely probably my favourite princess yeah. movie from that period, I think. Um, and certainly, it was very close to being on my list, but I kind of, for that period, I went for, for Lion King. Um, but it's become very iconic in the parks. Um, it was something that seemed, seemingly got forgotten at the time. Um, and now, obviously, Be Our Guest is the, is the go-to restaurant reservation now. Um, I think. Yes. Um, very difficult to get. Um, you've obviously got Enchanted Tales with Belle next door. Which is fantastic. Um, you've got Beast Castle. Um, that you can see. Um, Gaston's. Gaston's Tavern. Um, go there and have a cinnamon roll. Uh, I can't recommend that more. Um, we didn't try Le Fou's Brew. I'm not an apple juice fan, but I, I think Lisa <laughs> and Sam will probably have that the next time we go. Definitely. Um, but yeah, it's become very iconic, and obviously, there's some. I know they're working on some Beauty and the Beast stuff out in Asia at the moment. I think it's is it Hong Kong's expansion to Fantasyland is getting yeah. some some more Beauty and the Beast stuff, and I know uh, in relation to the new live action film, they've. They've converted uh, the village house at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. It is now the Red Rose Tavern um, out in California with some speciality uh, stuff, uh, food. And don't items. they have those great sipper cups that have got the rose in that yes. light up and the lids upside down so it's like the rose in the I dome. wouldn't go looking for them though because you're very unlikely to find them. Why? Because they sell out. As soon as they've got them in, they're, oh. they're out again. Um, Still, you never know your luck. Yep. I wouldn't go out of my way to try and find them, though. If you're there, <laughs> go and have a look and see if you can find them. Don't go out of your way to go and find them. Um, so, that was your third one. Yeah. Uh, my third one, and I'm. I, it was Lion King, was yep. my third one on my list. So, I'm going to hand back to Lisa for her next one. <laughs> So it's fair, because we've already spoken about Lion King, so well, as you're we've number been, four. As we've been sitting here chatting about things, um, I was looking at what I'd written down, and other films were popping into my mind. I was starting to remember different ones, and so I've changed them. And for my fourth one, I have to say Pocahontas. The reason I have to say that is because I do really love the film, but for me, it's about having... Um, Native American blood in my family and being part Native American myself, only very diluted down. Um, I think if I think back to it, um, I think my great great grandfather was full blood Cherokee Indian. Um, so for me, watching a film, a Disney film about Native Americans really struck a chord with me. I know it's not, um, 100% historically accurate but I just love the film and I love again that there's a strong female character who stands for what she believes in doesn't you know conform to the you know princess get a new dress get some new shoes bang you're good enough for this guy marry him happy ever after um there's no happy ever after to this film or to the real life lady either I believe um but thinking about it I've not seen it tons of times there's some films that I've got that I just repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat this one I haven't um but I really do love it what do you think about it 
I'm. I have to be honest and say I'm not a huge fan. No, I don't think you are. Um, I'm not a huge fan of either of those kind of um, princess films that came out at the same time. I'm not a huge Mulan fan I either. I thought you were going to say that, whereas I am. I really like that film um, too. Well, I will say this. It is one of my favourite parts of Fantasmic, uh, when John Smith is climbing down the, right. the rocks yep. and yep. Pocahontas is up singing Colours yep. of the Wind. Yeah. Um, and let's so, face it, when you get in the parks, the girls that are playing Pocahontas are normally the most gorgeous princesses that you see. Yeah. Is she a Disney princess? Yes. She yeah, officially she's officially is. is a Disney yeah, princess. Yeah, she gets left um, out of things a lot, doesn't she? Yeah, I, there's not many that are actually aren't anymore. I think every every Disney princess film is officially now she's a princess. Yeah. Um, I know... I don't think Anna's officially been made a princess, but she is. Yeah. Um, I don't think she's had a coronation yet. Uh, coronation day. Whereas <laughs> I know Princess Tiana and Rapunzel has been. What about Merida? Merida has been as well. Yeah. I believe she was the last one that was made an official princess. Um, so Perhaps it's measured by box office. Box office no, success. it's not. I think it's, it's just been dependent on... Just one of those yeah. uh, decisions. Okay, what's next on your list? Well, actually, that that moves me on to the next one on my list, and and it's uh, it was the fiftieth animation film that Disney had ever done. Um, it's actually officially the most expensive animated film ever, um, at a cost of two hundred and sixty million dollars, um, and it's Tangled. Um, I think this is really underrated. I love I think, Tangled. I think it's been overlooked, mainly due to the fact of how big Frozen was. Yeah. Um, Tangled gets completely forgotten. Uh, and I'll give you the real reason why I enjoyed it in the first place. And that was Zach Levi. Yeah. I'm, I was a huge Chuck fan um, when that was on. To see Zach get a role that was that big... The fact that he got to sing at the Oscars um, when really he'd only been a cult TV star before that. Stand-up guy, though, isn't he? Yeah. Does a lot for charity. Yep. Um, if you if you any clue as to what San Diego Comic Con is, Zach actually runs his own event alongside it, um, Nerd HQ, um, where he gets most of the big stars. He does. That he interviews on a small stage in front of no more than 100 people. Auctions off a ton of memorabilia and signed yep. stuff and scripts and limited editions, yep. collectibles, one-offs. And, and it's just outright fun. They drink. <laughs> um, they have no issues with drinking on stage. and It's just, it's just fun. And, and that was my real reason for, for enjoying Tangled in the first place. Um, but n- now I watch it, obviously... Sam I've seen it a few times. Too, Sam it? likes it. It's just a, a gorgeous film. film. Yeah. Um, the Lantern scene. Oh, it's beautiful. That's, again, has become an iconic thing. They built... They haven't built a ride based on Tangled, and I don't think they will. What an opportunity they're missing, though, to make the boats that go out with the lanterns. Well, this is, uh, this is the thing that <laughs> that's happened. Rivers of Light in Animal Kingdom. Could be Tangled. <laughs> um, could quite easily have been... Had at least a Tangled scene in it. Yes. Um, with the lanterns. The lanterns fit perfectly with the Animal Kingdom theme. Um, Somebody missed a trick there, I think. And obviously, Rivers of Light isn't set in the world of light. 
Um, and it looks like it could be on its way out nearly as quickly as it's, it's really? come in. Oh, it's a beautiful looking um, show from what we've seen. It is a wonderful looking show, but it has no storyline. Uh, Disney is all about that ongoing story. Um, and people are going to it and, and seeing it and going, well, what's it about? Um, we're led to believe that a lot of it was cut out due to costs, things not working. Um, our friend Jim Hill, I believe, said that um, some of the boats actually sank. Oh. <laughs> um, I know he's reported today that it is likely on its way out. Well, it was nice how it lasted. But moving back to Tangled, just just a beautiful film and a, and a really nice story. It, it tells. I don't think it just tells the story of Rapunzel either. I really think it tells the story of of Flynn or Eugene as he is by the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe things aren't all as bad as they they seem to be, and that he really does care for her. I must um, admit, it is one of those films that at the end. Um, when she's reunited with her parents, it has the power to make me sit and sob every time because I think it's every mother's worst fear, losing their child. And it's just a beautiful story that they actually do get her back at the end. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I know it was based on a story that already existed, but I feel that Disney really fleshed it out and and made it a, a great story. They did a great job with it. They really did. So... Your last one. My, my last one. Um, I think it has to be Jungle Book. It's um, Jungle Book is one that I can remember enjoying back in the day when both of my grandparents were still here, and we, my, my whole family, used to go to my grandparents for Christmas, which is no little thing because there were so many of us, and I just remember it seemed to be on every Christmas and. It just reminds me of those happier times when everybody was still around and we would all get together. Christmases are a lot different these days, but that film still has the power to bring back those memories for me. Um, I also love the idea that, you know, a little boy is brought up by these animals, you know, because sometimes I actually like animals better than I like people. (laughs) I can't help it. Um... And I, I do love the story, and I also like the new connection whereby apparently, um, I'm just trying to think, what was it that I no. read? No, no, it's not what you think, it's something else that I read. Not You're thinking about Frozen and, and Tarzan. Tarzan, but no, there's something else that I read, and I can't remember now, but I, I have to admit, I haven't seen the live-action version. So I don't know what that's like. We have tended to stay away from a lot of the, yeah, the live-action remakes. Yeah, I don't think I want it to be ruined for me. I love it as it is. I love that little boy's voice who plays Mowgli. I love all of the voices and the songs, and I just wouldn't want it to be ruined. I don't know. Maybe it's great. Let us know. Is it fantastic? Should we watch it? You can't go wrong with Bill Murray, really. No, I suppose. But it's like when we were in Disneyland Paris, and we would go and see Anna Magique, before they got rid of it <laughs> and you know all the characters would come out and we'd be having a great time but then king louis appeared and everyone went crazy because he is a fantastic character and i loved him i love all of it and i oh, i can't remember trying to think what the snake is called car car that's it when he's singing trust in me with the crazy eyes and everything i love that part <laughs> by the same person as winnie the pooh winnie the pooh's voice <laughs> yes that's right 
but, difficult to believe that, but there you go. Again, again it, it was one that was possibly close to my list as well. Um, yes. I remember that possibly being the first Disney film I got on VHS. Um, back when I was a youngster. Um, and I always, again, mentioning King Louis, Louis Prima was just brilliant in that role. Um, and you couldn't go wrong um, with that film. And as I said, it was very close to being on my list. It's definite, definite classic. So, the last one. The last one for me, um, and this was a toss-up, there was a couple um, of the same era, which is really, I would say, now, um, from the current era, from the John Lasseter era, I, should, I suppose we should say, shouldn't we? Um, and it was a toss-up between Big Hero 6, which our family is a huge fan of, Sam absolutely loves Hero and Baymax. He's got he's got a flying Baymax sitting behind me right now. Um, but it isn't the one that I chose. Um, the one that I've chosen is Wreck-It Ralph. Um, and the reason why I picked Wreck-It Ralph um, is kind of a film based around my era. Um, back in the 90s. 90s computer games. I think it's really... It was really my thing, like Sonic. Um, Sonic makes a guest appearance in, in the first Wreck-It Ralph. Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, and things like that. And it just, it really stood out to me that it was the, it was kind of put together of all those video games that I played back in the 90s. And I was growing up that my brother would have on, on his Mega Drive and, and as I got a bit older on the Xbox and PlayStation and things like that. And, and it just really stands out. And it's got a really sweet story to it. That, that Ralph doesn't want to be this villain anymore. He wants to be able to prove that he is more than just someone that smashes a building up. And, it, and he really proves that. And, and the, his relationship with Vanellope. Um, and even Fix-It Felix. Um, those relationships just really work on more than one level, I think. I love Wreck-It Ralph because it um, created one of my favourite new characters, which is Vanellope Von Sweets. I love her. I love that she's in the parade now. Um, some people are a bit cross, maybe, because Goofy's gone. But I love her character, and I think she's fantastic. And I've just found what I was thinking about, and it was what you mentioned earlier about um, King John being yeah. used for bed knobs and broomsticks. Well, it was King Louis, um, a sequence between... Baloo and King Louie was used again and put into Robin Hood. That's what I remember, the connection that I was trying to think of, reusing things. And so it seems that all of our favourite films are connected yeah. one uh, way or another. And on that last note, obviously this week the the name of the Wreck-It Ralph sequel has been released. Yes. Um, so <laughs> Ralph is going to wreck the internet. He's go- Ralph breaks the internet. He's going to break the internet. <laughs> Hopefully not in a Kim Kardashian way. Oh, God. Um, I really don't need to see see Ralph in no clothes at all. And we don't need to see any more of her ever. No. no. <laughs> so, but really looking forward to that. Very um, much so. John C. Riley coming back as, as Ralph. Yeah, and we've been talking about everything that's coming out soon for date night. 
um, where we'll ask my mum and dad to look after Sam and off we go to the cinema. Yeah. And there's so much coming up from Disney. Yeah. Oh, it's all Disney films. By yeah. Pirates. Yeah. <laughs> followed by Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah, it'll be Spider Man. Oh, Spider Man. Spider Man after that, that which will be a family family day out because Sam's a, a huge Spider Man fan. He really is. So we're going to take him to see his first. Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Paul in the showed cinema. in the trailer, didn't you? Yeah, yeah and, and he again, asked for it again. Yeah, you said, "Do you want to go and see it?" And this little finger just came up, and he went, "Play it again, Daddy." Um, and he sat and watched it a second time. So he, we've definitely raised a little Disney fan. Uh, there, so, we? Certainly helped by the fact that he knows who Iron Man is as well. Yeah, um, definitely. As soon as he saw Iron Man in the armor, he was he was very happy. <laughs> So, have we covered all of our films? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so on to the final part of the show. This is Paul's expertise because I have to tell you about Paul. He's got a brain like a sponge. He can soak up thousands of facts. I can't remember what I had for dinner yesterday, but he can remember everything that he's read. He's one of those people that can sit in front of the television watching a show whilst being on his laptop and looking at his iPhone and everything's going into that brain of his and he'll remember it all. And that's why he's good at history, and I'm not. So I'm handing over to you now. <laughs> uh, it's not not just history. We're going to talk about our memories of, of riding the attraction that I'm going to talk about. So this time we're we're heading to Epcot. Um, we're heading to a ride that we didn't know much about. I think the the last time we went. No, we didn't. Um, I'd never been to Epcot previously, and I'd never been on it when I went. No. So we're heading to uh, the Land Pavilion. Um, and to a ride that was originally called Listen to the Land. Um, since changed, uh, it's now known as Living with the Land. See, how do you know that? You're not even looking at paper. It's just in that head of yours. I didn't know that. So, a ride that opened in, in 1982. Um, one of the first rides, I believe. And you weren't born. I wasn't born. So, it's actually older than me. It's now, what, 35 years old this year. Um, but... This is kind of, it's a ride that was very much enveloped in what Walt wanted for Epcot in the first place. It was. Um, so basically, it's a boat ride. Um, not a thrill ride in any way, shape or form. So don't think Pirates of the Caribbean. Maybe think Small World. Um, similar in vain to, to that. But this time with living items rather than, than dolls and... No music. I think when we went in, we knew nothing about the ride. No. We just wanted to get out of the intense heat. And it's like, oh, we, we had air conditioning. We booked a fast pass for yeah, it. we did. Mainly due to the fact that we knew we could take Sam on it. But it turned out to be a real good surprise. Uh, so, so much so that we went back on it another day. Yes, we did. Um, so what it is, is basically what Walt wanted for Epcot was a living, breathing community. And living with the land kind of gives you an insight into how that community would have lived and become self-sufficient yeah so it's kind of let's start with the first first bit you go uh go into what is called the tropics greenhouse um and this is where they're growing tropical fruits um so you're looking at things like bananas jackfruit dragon fruit vanilla pineapples um stuff like that um Growing their own. Um, Serving it in restaurants. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk about, about that. Yeah. But, um, what's the, the restaurant called that goes around? I've had a complete... Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, complete <laughs> mind. 
on top of the LAN pavilion. Call it Sun something. No, no that's the downstairs. Sunshine Seasons is downstairs. Oh, that's one we ate. Uh, complete mind blank. I can't remember I'll what it was called. I'll find it. Um, but yeah, the the fruit that they grow um, in living with the land is actually served in this restaurant. Um, but if you want to go and see that. Later we'll find the, the name of the restaurant, but we definitely recommend watching uh, Tim Tracker's video yes. when he visited. Uh, it is a character breakfast, um, so you get the the usual Mickey. I don't think Minnie was in there, was she? It was Mickey, Pluto, Goofy, Chip and Dale were the five, I think, weren't they? Yeah. And it's a family-style buffet, if I remember rightly. I think it was, yes. Um so, so Lisa will find the name for that. I'm looking. Um, but yeah, definitely <laughs> definitely go and find Tim Tracker's video. Um, which is also with DLRP fans as well. Yes, that's right. Um, they were visiting at the time and were with Tim. Um, moving on to the next section um, is the Aquacell. Um, and this is fish farming. Um, so basically it's like big tanks of fish. Um so you can see the fish swimming around, and it is just literally. Um, uh, that's definitely kind of a fish area where they would have they would have kept these fish um, to live off of um, as part of of Walt's plan. Um, moving on to the next one, you've got uh, the temperate greenhouse. Um, this is where they grow a lot of again. I would say normal fruit and veg. Yeah. Pumpkins, lemons, um, melons, uh, things like that. Uh, sunflowers, turnips, stuff like that. But a lot of these these items are actually growing into the shape of Mickey Mouse. Um, <laughs> hidden Mickey's everywhere. Well, I wouldn't even call them hidden Mickey's. They're, they're quite there for everybody to see. Um, but they've actually taught these these vegetables to grow that way it's not something that they've they've made they've actually changed the genetics to, to make them grow like that um, which is really clever um, so um, the next room this is a little bit strange and I don't quite understand what this is um, but basically it's, um, they've, they make things that are slightly unusual um, the, the, the most famous thing in this, this section is um, a tomato tree, um, which actually holds the world record for the most tomatoes produced on one plant, and it produced 32,000 tomatoes. Is that it? Um, and just really strange. Um, and again, you've got pumpkins and cucumbers growing in the shape of Mickey Mouse and things like that. Um, and in fact, it says... Um, they produce 30 tonnes of produce um, every year from from the land, um, which is an amazing It's not thing. bad. It's close to being self-sufficient. Um, and it actually mentions here the name of the restaurant, which I've managed to find. Is it um, Garden Grill? It's the Garden Grill. I'm just looking at that, and I can see that it's actually... Um, I was looking on another page, and from the Garden Grill... You can actually see into the attraction. Yes, you can. So it's located on the top level of the land pavilion, 
and while dining the entire restaurant rotates ever so slightly giving you a constantly changing view the scenery is part of the living of the land attraction um, and when you're there two very very cheeky chipmunks are regularly in attendance stealing your sausages and other things <laughs> so <laughs> moving on to the last greenhouse this is known as the uh, the creative greenhouse um this is where they they learn a, you can learn about how they would have produced this stuff to for the whole community and it's it's a thing uh, known as aeroponics um and it's basically the way they would have fed these foods um, and, and things, things like that, that. and it's, it's actually uh, actually holds a small exhibit as well um, on the, the NASA hydroponic growing units, um, which has kind of come from what Walt would have done. I know he had a, a huge partnership with NASA um, in moving the world into a different future, and um, we all know how much Walt loved the future um, and where it was going to go. And I think I think this kind of shows how he wanted to. To create that community, I think um, Epcot's come away a lot from what he originally envisioned. Oh, it certainly has. It, yeah, it keeps true to his idea. I think. Um, so yeah, yeah, and there's a there's a couple of labs as well in there that um that are producing things uh, to help the world, not just to help Epcot and and Walt Disney World, but creating things that are gonna gonna give us a better future. Um, and while you were there in November. The ma most massive pumpkins we've ever seen. Yeah, it certainly was. <laughs> that was fabulous. So, so, so yeah, that's, I think, my history. Let's talk about our, our memories of that ride, because it was one of the first things that Sam ever went on at Disney. Yeah. It was on our first day that we went to Epcot, um, and he loved it. Um, seeing the hidden Mickeys, as we've mentioned. And, and just... Something different. I think that's what it was for us. We, because I'd never been on it, I didn't know what to expect. We went to Epcot the first day um, after we'd arrived the day before. We were absolutely tired off our feet. And coming from the cold here in the UK, getting out there, it was boiling hot. We were absolutely roasting. We were really tired. Our feet were killing us because we'd not been on our feet all day for so long. Um, and... We had our fast pass and off we went. And to be quite honest with you, I sat down and I thought, oh, thank goodness for my feet. Oh, air conditioning, fantastic. Maybe I can nod off while the boat's going round. And it actually turned out to be a really pleasant surprise how fascinating and interesting the ride was. It was really lovely. Sam was absolutely fascinated with everything. Um, and it was a gentle ride, but it was so enjoyable. And like Paul said, we did end up going on it again. And when we go back, we'll go on it again. And we would recommend it to anybody. We certainly well, will. And I think, I think, I think we, we know, know a little bit more, more about, about it now yes. than we did at the time. So I think we'll be able to enjoy it even more, yeah. um, knowing what it is. I'd actually quite like they do a, a guided tour behind the scenes called Behind the Seeds. Oh, yeah. Um, which I'd quite like to do as well to learn a little bit more about what they actually do that would be fantastic actually um so, so that would definitely be yeah be of interest i think well i think this um episode's quite a long one so let's wrap it up quite quickly um just a brief um 
what's going to be coming up, and that's Paul is off to Disneyland Paris soon for twenty fifth celebrations. Yep, yep. In, in a week, week and, and a half, half I'll be there. there. So you're hoping to bring back lots of video footage. Yeah, yeah there'll, there'll be there'll, there'll be vlogs, there'll be photos. photos. Um, I'm actually hoping I've got a, a bit of an interview lined up. Um, with the original Main Street Quartet, the barbershop quartet that was uh, that is on on Main Street, um, I'm in contact with the original original leader. So how cool um, will that be? So there'll definitely be some some video footage of that. I know they're working with ED92 um, to film a lot of their stuff, but I have spoken to them and we will be will be talking to them. Fingers crossed, there might be some Imagineers. I know Tony Baxter's been there for the last week or so since the. Since the uh, celebration started, but I'm hoping he might stick around. That's one. Of, and if you haven't seen it, go to our website. I did write a, a Disney bucket list the other day, and talking to an Imagineer is actually on that list. So I'm really got my fingers crossed that I might bump into one. Hoping that that uh, our fearless leader might be there as well, Mr. Iger, um, to make a dedication. Fingers crossed. Um, so, so yeah, yeah that's, that's, the, that's, that's the plan, plan. and obviously I'll, I'll talk about it on the podcast when I come yeah. back next time. And do keep checking out the website because Paul will, I mean, he's going out there, but he's going out there to work. He's going to be there for the celebrations, but he's going to be trying to get exclusive interviews. There'll be pictures. When he comes back, there'll be vlogs and blogs. Um, check out the website, which is www.magical-kingdoms.com. So www.magical-kingdoms.com. That's the website. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube, and we've just recently joined Instagram as well. Yeah, yep, we've, we've got, got about about 50, 50 photos we've put, put up already uh, over the last, what, week? Yeah. Um, and obviously that's that's going to rapidly increase with me being in Paris. There'll be, there'll be photos I'll be taking while I'm there. But there's photos on there from our past trips to California, there to are, Florida, to Paris. And, and, and other things, we've got other stuff up. Up yeah. on there where we've where we've been places that have had Disney related stuff. But you can find all the links to our social media on the website. It's on the homepage. Have a look. There's some great stuff on there. Great content that we're bringing to you. Um, and if you want to keep abreast of the 25th anniversary celebrations, definitely stay tuned in the coming weeks because Paul's going to be getting some amazing stuff for you. Yeah, and and the vlogs. I I start running again. I should be running now, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> My, my training for the Disneyland Paris Half Marathon Challenge weekend begins in earnest in May. Um, so I will be starting my, my training videos um, at that point. Yeah. Obviously, I spoke about Run Disney on the last episode. That's all that was on the last episode. Um, go and listen to that if you're, you're interested in Run Disney or you do Run Disney. Um, and once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading the blog, looking at the pictures. Um, and everything, and, and, and just, just keep, keep on dreaming. dreaming.